Thank you for listening to this message by Pastor Chad Randall at Life Story Church. We are a grassroots church located in the heart of the Bellevue community in Nashville, Tennessee. Our services are streamed live on Facebook and YouTube every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. and Wednesday, 7 p.m. Central Time. We would love for you to join us. Now here's Pastor Chad Randall. I'm excited about tonight. Are you guys excited about tonight? I hope so. Uh, We're going to be talking about uh, Babylon the Great tonight. Revelation chapter 18. 18. Last week we started uh, this two-part series. It's it's kind of a series within a series because we're talking, uh, we're studying through the book of Revelation. But at the same time, every so often, every so often we will hit uh, uh, a couple chapters where we can kind of put them together, make some cool graphics and do some good stuff for... uh, do some good stuff for um, uh, social media and whatnot. So the mystery of Babylon last week, we did chapter uh, 17, part one. And tonight we're doing chapter uh, 18, part two. So click share on the graphics, the video, all of that good stuff. So with that, without any further ado, uh, let's pray. Let's start by praying tonight, huh? Let's bless this evening. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, We thank you so much for who you are, the way that you love us. We thank you for the word of God that you've given us, Lord, to show us every extremity that you have gone to, Lord, to reveal yourself to us and bring us to yourself, Lord Jesus. We feel your heart, Lord, and we pray that others who tune in tonight will feel your heart through this study. Uh, In the name of Jesus and all God's people said, all right, amen. Amen. You got your cup of coffee? You got your coffee. Eva, cheers. Lemonade. lemonade. Eva's got her lemonade. So last week we discussed uh, Mystery Babylon. Mystery Babylon, which is often confused with uh, Babylon, the great city of chapter 18. So we've got two different chapters, Mystery Babylon, Babylon, the great city. um, And we get this phrase from chapter 17, verse 5 specifically. So let me just begin with that uh, this evening. Revelation chapter 17, verse 5. Let's revisit this from last week. And on her forehead, a name was written, Mystery Babylon the Great. Uh, Mystery Babylon the Great. The mother of harlots and of the abominations of the earth. Notice all caps here, right? <laughs> this is, I joked last week that this wasn't God, you know, uh, accidentally leaving the cap, caps lock on like uh, your parents might do sometimes or I might do sometimes if I'm sending you a text, right? Nobody's yelling at you in text format right now, but this is intentional. In This was, it's in caps for a reason. This is how it was written. Uh, so this is a major point that God wants us to pay attention to, okay? These are titles, Mysterion, mystery. Mysterion means secret revealed, okay? In other words, it's not a mystery anymore written on her forehead. It's not a mystery anymore written on her forehead. When you see her, you see her for who she is and what she is, Uh, you know thy enemy, right? So Mysterion, secret revealed, is associated with Babylon the Great, the Babylon of Nimrod, church. Truly, the Babylon of Nimrod, the ancient Babylon. The mother of harlots means false allegiance. Recapping again a little bit from last week. Uh, I do encourage you, if you're with us live tonight, when this message is over, go back and watch last week's uh, 
message 17 they'll they really do fit together like a glove it's a hand in glove so uh mother of harlots false allegiance in other words a, a harlot you know what is it's an allegiance to you appeared allegiance but it's false right and of abominations abominations throughout the Bibl biblical text we see uh abominations tied with idol worship so idol worship idolatry false allegiance all of these things are in play here the babylon truly of nimrod uh, where they built the tower to the sky in rebellion of god people say all the time though don't they who do you think babylon could be and many of you uh watching this have asked that question yourselves uh many perhaps there's somebody watching tonight who just saw the the promotion for tonight's message and you've just tuned in because you're curious of that as well. Who do you think Babylon could be? Well, to answer that question, we really need to understand first the difference between Babylon and Mystery Babylon. There are two different things from 17 to 18, yet the same thing at the same time. So we're going to uh, dive into that pretty deep tonight. So I hope you're in for uh, a good Bible study tonight. Babylon, the city that God refers to, Babylon the city is the spirit of which is still alive today. The spirit of that Babylon is alive and well today. Okay, it was, it was geographical. Okay, it was truly a city. Okay, in modern day Iraq, and it truly is, was, and is to be destroyed again. But is it that actual city in Iraq? Today, the same thing we're going to be talking about tonight. So hopefully I can pique your interest tonight with the, some of this talk. So the city, there's a city, but then there's also Mystery Babylon, which is the whore that rides the beast that we talked so much about last week. That is a political, religious system. Political and religious at the same time. And it embodies that spirit, that whole spirit. So if we don't understand that we're talking about two different things yet there's different elements, it's the same thing, but two different elements to it, it can get pretty confusing. So an actual city, city, spirit of that city alive today, political, religious system, which ultimately I believe will have global tentacles around the earth and maybe it already does. Uh, with that said, can I actually see this uh, map? I've got a map for you guys. There we go. You see Babylon there, right? We see Damascus, we see Jerusalem. Uh, this is the Middle East. Uh, so much uh, talk and trouble about the Middle East these days, right? And, and has been since the since the Garden. It has, it has been a piece of property that's been wrestled for since the beginning, since uh, since Adam and Eve let Satan usurp that authority from them. But you see Babylon there, Nineveh uh, in that region, modern day Iraq. In other words, guys, this is the land of the Chaldeans. If you read in your Bible. The land of the Chaldeans, this is it. The plains of Shinar. Okay, so if Babylon's the city, the plains of Shinar is the county. That helps you understand. Nimrod built the famous Tower of Babel that's on the graphic of this sermon series. Okay, the famous Tower of Babel, it was the centerpiece of his rebellion against God. God disrupted this re rebellious coalition, though, didn't he? Uh, through the confusion of tongues in Genesis chapter 11. We don't have time to get into all of that tonight, but he did. All right, look it up, check me out. Don't take my word for it, right? Uh, 
this rebellion against God, and this is what we need to understand, this rebellion against God is still with us today. Do you believe that? Do you sense that? Do you look around? Do you feel that? Uh, the residuals from Babylon uh, include most, most of uh, idol worship uh, today. I mean, most of, most of the traditions of idol worship, astrology, uh, and the occult that truly continue to this uh, present day, whether it would be astroplaning or whatnot. And we'll get to that in a little bit, believe it or not, uh, briefly. I mean, for example, I mean, we've got moon god worship established in Babylon. The Babylonian moon god, can anybody get, I mean, it's a coincidence, I'm sure, right? But the Babylonian moon god, uh, her name was Sin, right, in Babylon. Today, what do we see? Allah, crescent moon, symbol, Mecca, so on and so forth. Uh, Allah is not Yahweh, okay? There's a big movement uh, towards an ecumenical religion, a one world religion that includes Catholics, Jews, and Muslims today, right? And they want us to think that, oh, well, we really worship the same God. It's just that, you know, we think that Jesus was the son of God and they don't. And, but the father is the same father. It's not the same father. And we'll cover it a little bit that, a little bit of that today as well. Allah is not Yahweh. The original, uh, uh, biblical significance of uh, the Zodiac was corrupted by the Babylonian religious system, and it continues in all cultures to this day. We knew it as the Maseroth. God wrote in the heavens the story of how he would redeem the world through a virgin child and birth and everything else, and that was corrupted ultimately in Babylon and turned into the Zodiac. And if you've never done a good study on that, I encourage you to do so. Again, not for tonight, though. But there's a, you see, this is like we're building Legos. We were built, we get, there's a foundation for you to understand all of this. Um, you know, I understand that a lot of times people will say, well, if you're a new Christian, don't just jump right in and, and try to study uh, Revelation, because it might be confusing. Um, you know, I am of a different opinion. It's the only book in the Bible that carries a special blessing for the reader. So there's a special blessing for you if you read it or even hear it being read, there's a special blessing for you. So I say jump right in and if it's confusing, uh, every time you find something that confuses you, dig there, right? Consider that a remez, as the uh, ancient rabbis would say, and study and dig. Um, don't just look in the internet, though. You can get off into some... Uh, dangerous rabbit holes, but uh, truly the Word of God explains itself. So, in any case, Babylon is truly due. It is truly due for its appointment of judgment with the Lord. It is due, it was due, and it was Nimrod, the original Babylon, the spirit of it, mystery Babylon, all in rebellion against God, due for its day of judgment. And that's where we come to in Revelation chapter 18. So with that, you've got your Bibles ready, don't you? Should we jump in? I'm glad, I'm glad uh, to be here with you guys uh, tonight, by the way. This is going to be some good stuff. So let's read. After these things, after these things, I saw another angel coming down from heaven. Right out of the gate, there's metatauta, that same uh, uh, Greek phrase that we heard 
in Revelation chapter 4, verse 1, which means hereafter. That means after these things, basically, okay? So everything that we just saw, he's keeping the chronological order, letting us know after everything that just happened in chapter 17, after these things, I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority. Let's keep going. Having great authority, and the earth was illuminated with his glory. And he cried mightily with a loud voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and has become a dwelling place of demons. Oh, can you imagine? A prison for every foul spirit and a cage for every unclean and hated bird. Fallen, fallen here suggests the rapidness of the event. So it happens and it happens quickly. Okay. And, and the, in, within a quick succession of things that happen. So coming out of 17 in, it is fallen, it is fallen. When it falls, it, the dominoes just start to go. Okay. Uh, birds here, uh, is interesting, is interesting. Uh, a cage for every unclean and hated bird. Uh, birds were symbolic of Satan. If we remember back in Matthew chapter, uh, 13, uh, the parable of the seeds and the sower and the birds were Satan coming to try and pluck the seeds away. Also, uh, Paul refers to Satan in Ephesians as the prince of the air. So birds, again, sim very symbolic here. Unclean demons are here. The city's filled with foul demons. If you can imagine, let's keep reading verse 3. For all the nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. The kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth have become rich through the abundance of her luxury. Wow. It's such a, such a city alive today, I wonder. Verse 4, And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people lest you share in her sins, and lest you receive of her plagues. My people. Don't let that be lost on you. My people. God is referring here to his people. And at this point, we know that the 144,000 that were here to minister to the earth, we know that they're still here. We know that not one will be lost. Okay, so uh, with, with such chaos happening, with the fall and destruction of this wicked city now, uh, and system upon the earth, keep in mind that those who belong to the Lord, not one is lost. My people, he's saying, come out of her, my people, come out. Uh, again, the, the, this can be confusing for people because we know that there are those who are martyred in Revelation as well. New believers after witnessing the rapture. Can you imagine witnessing the rapture? Can you imagine being on the fence about putting your hope and your trust and your faith in Jesus Christ and then uh, your grandmother, your people that you love who have been uh, uh, pleading the gospel to you for so long or vanish and you know what's happening and you don't believe the lie? I mean, there will be those who are immediately targeted and uh, martyred for a saving faith during that seven-year tribulation period. We talked about that a few chapters ago, though. So let's keep going. Verse 5. Let's, let's keep going. Verse 5. For her sins have reached into heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. 
render to her just as she rendered to you and repay her double according to her works. Wow, double. In the cup which she has mixed, mix double for her. Mm. In the measure that she glorified herself and lived luxuriously, in the same measure, give her torment and sorrow. For she says in her heart, I sit as a queen and am no widow and will not see sorrow. Therefore, her plagues will come in one day. Now talk about rapid, huh? Death and mourning and famine, and she will be utterly burned with fire, for strong is the Lord God who judges her. I am no widow. That's an odd thing to say, isn't it? It's a kind of a strange thing to boast about. Well, don't let this be lost on you. She's contrasting herself with Israel when she says this, okay? Uh, Israel is often referred to throughout the scripture as the widow of Yahweh. Widow in the Old Testament biblical uh, sense means a non-virgin. A non-virgin who is uh, unacceptable, the unacceptable bride of a priest, in other words, right? So, so, and that's referred to in uh, Leviticus chapter 22, verse 13, if you want to Look that up. Uh, also in Lamentations chapter 1, verse 1, Jerusalem is also referred to as a widow. <clears throat> so this is taunting, make no mistake. The spirit, the spirit of this thing here says, I sit as queen and I am no widow, like you are a widow, right? It's taunting. It is taunting, church. Uh this whole uh, piece here is very reminiscent of something that we find in Isaiah chapter 47, uh, verse 8 through 10. So we always know that the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed, and the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed, right? Well, let's see what we find here in Isaiah chapter 47, speaking of Babylon, speaking specifically uh, of the humiliation of Babylon. Let's read Isaiah 47, verse 8. Therefore, hear this now, you who are given to pleasures. Does that sound like somebody who uh, uh, she has glorified herself and lives luxuriously, right? You're given to pleasures, who dwell securely, who say in your heart, I am, and there is no one else besides me. Mm. In other words, what did the burning, Jesus say when he was in the burning bush? I am. I shall not sit as a widow, nor shall I know the loss of children. But these two things shall come to you in a moment, in one day. In one day. Don't lose, put a pin in that. <laughs> Don't let that be lost on you. The loss of children and widowhood, they shall come upon you in their fullness because of the multitude of your sorceries. Sorceries. Pay attention to that word. We're going to come back to that. For the great abundance of your enchantments, right? When, think of what sorceries and enchantments, all of that, what that does to the mind and everything else. Verse 10, for you have trusted in your wickedness. You have said, no one sees me. Your wisdom and your knowledge have warped you. I feel like there are a lot of warped people in the world today, don't you? Hello. And you have said in your heart, there it is again, 
I am. The same title that Christ spoke in the burning bus in the burning bush and and he repeated and when he walked the earth. And there is no one else besides me. Yeah, I think you can see the strong correlation here. She's boasting of this, but the prophecy is that, oh, you'll get, you will get. Even though you boast of this, you're boasting, Isaiah 47, direct tie here. Verse 9, let's keep going. 18, verse 9. Revelation 18, verse 9. The kings of the earth who committed fornication and lived luxuriously with her will weep and lament for her when they see the smoke of her burning, standing at a distance for fear of her torment. Now, now, why would they need to stand back, standing away, a certain, make sure we stay a certain amount of space away? I don't know if this has anything to do with the radiation. Um, I always gotta, when you read this stuff in uh, Ezekiel 38 and 39 and here in Revelation, uh, it's good to ask yourself, well, if this happened now, you know, maybe this has something to do with revelation or radiation. I don't know. Uh, in any case, they standing verse ten, standing at a distance for fear of her torment, saying, "Alas, alas, that great city Babylon, that mighty city again." Keep in mind here, he's saying city, city, city. It's a city. It really is a city, guys. Okay, for in one hour your judgment has come. So we're getting geographical references here. All right, definitely. Uh, note that there are going to be, uh, as we as we move forward now, th three groups of people that are going to be singled out. Kings, merchants, and those who trade by sea. And this is significant because there's no port in Babylon. If you go, if you go back to that map that we looked at earlier, Babylon doesn't have a port. Now, Alexander the Great... When he conquered the city, he had a plan to, to dig all the way down to the sea and create an inlet and a port of sorts into Babylon. So it, it's possible that it could be done. The engineering of that uh, was already accomplished and done. Alexander had hoped to do it, but never did it. So if this is going to be a real, the real city, the literal city, Babylon in Iraq, that the whole world does commerce and trade through, it would be possible for them to have a port. However, it's certainly not that now. Okay. Um, so is it, are we looking at an idiom here? Are we looking at something that's spirit? Are we looking at something that is bigger? It is is a city, but. More than that, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Let's just keep reading. Sound good? Let's just keep reading. And we'll come back to that thought. Uh, verse 11. And the merchants, here come our three, uh, three groups of people. The merchants of the earth will weep and mourn over her, for no one buys their merchandise anymore. Merchandise of gold and silver, precious stones and pearls, fine linen and purple silk and scarlet, every kind of citron wood, every kind of object, object of ivory, every kind of object of most precious wood, bronze, iron, and marble. I mean, he's getting into some detail here. Verse 13, and cinnamon and incense, fragrant oil and frankincense, wine and oil, fine flour and wheat, cattle and sheep, horses and chariots, and bodies, the King James Version uh, here says slaves, slave trading. 
and souls of men. Verse 14, the fruit that your soul longed for has gone from you, and all things which are rich and splendid have gone from you, and you shall find them no more at all. So 28 different cargoes here, all right? Literal things. These are not symbolic. You Sometimes you read the Bible and you're like, is this a metaphor? And then the next line explains how it was a metaphor and then you understand, right? This is, not, this is literal. This is not symbolic. He lists all the different things that are traded in and out of Babylon here. Slaves, in particular. This is significant. In Rome, Rome, one-third of the population. We watch all these period piece shows, but... Even the Bible shows that we watch, like The Chosen, which is so amazing. And we, we, in our mind, we kind of think, like, what would it be like if Jesus was here with us? And we, but we can't really imagine, guys. I mean, the whole, the whole uh, uh, climate at the time uh, was so different. And one-third. Imagine in the United States, in Nashville, Tennessee, right here, one out of every three people that you met was a slave, Right? So in Rome, a third of the population were slaves. 10,000 were traded per day in the Roman Empire. 10,000 per day. Over 50 million slaves were estimated. Do we have slaves today in the United States of America? You can make the argument that we've got economic slavery and this and that. Uh, certainly not like that, though. Uh, I mean, you start talking about 60% in taxes, you know. Uh, economic bondage to corporations and luxury and different forms of slavery, right? But And we're unable to break loose of this system, but it's different. It's different. So, are we talking about, are we talking about, are we talking about uh, uh, Babylon? Babylon in Iraq? Or is this Babylon, this spirit, this city, alive today in some other form? Uh, you know, I, I'm one of many who believe that Jesus is likely to come back sooner than later with everything that we have going on in the world. Different things that we read in Revelation chapter 13 in regards to uh, the mark of the beast, one world order, one global currency, so on and so forth. It sure looks like everything is set up or setting up for uh, everything that we're reading about it. And we know because we read, uh, as we studied through uh, Revelation chapter 4, that a rapture event, I believe, occurs before the seven-year tribulation period that is known as the time of Jacob's trouble. So I say all of that just to say this. If we're really that close to Jesus coming back, that means we're really that close to the seven-year tribulation period. And Babylon and Iraq is not really... It's not a global epicenter of commerce that the world would weep if it were destroyed in one hour and one day, is it? It isn't. So we have to kind of open our minds a little bit to think, uh, what could that expand to? And with that, I'll just, I'm going to throw you out a couple, um, a, a couple leads and encourage you to go do your own studies and uh, don't take my word for any of this. We talked a little bit about this last week, about how uh, the true city of London, the Vatican, and the city of D.C. are separate separate from the nations that they're within. And all of them uh, hold the symbols of the womb of uh, 
the phallus and the womb from Babylonian, Egyptian, pagan worship, right? So uh, go back and watch that if you're interested. Uh, so I believe that this there's this system, this mystery Babylon could very well not just be, it's a city, it's a system, but it's global, it's a city, and yet it's global at the same time. So let me just throw these acorns out to you guys, and you can have some fun with them. Did you know that one of the biggest uh, ports in New York City, talk about port cities, in New York City is in Babylon, New York, right? Interesting. Did you know that in when you sail directly into New York, into the harbor, what's one of the first things that you see? You know, we've seen enough movies, right? The Statue of Liberty. Do you know who the Statue of Liberty is supposed to be? The Statue of Liberty is supposed to be the goddess of freedom. Goddess. Goddess of freedom. Do you know who the goddess of freedom is? You can trace it back to Diana as we're studying through Ephesians. We talked about this on Sunday. Diana... Uh, uh, she's had many different names, but they all arrived back into Babylon with Semiramis, Semiramis, who was, of course, Nimrod of Babylon's wife, the mother of Tammuz, all of that pagan ideology in rebellion to God. Interesting. Also interesting, we've read so much about the city of seven hills. We read last week in Revelation chapter 17, the city of seven hills. You just Google that, just type it into your uh, browser and it'll pop right up Rome, right? So, and all of these uh, ancient church fathers writing about how they believe that this is obviously Rome, the city of seven hills and Babylon, so on and so forth, mystery Babylon, ties to the... Catholic Church are all there, right in our faces. Go watch last week's video. However, interestingly enough, another nugget for you guys tonight. How many knew that Washington, D.C., where Washington, D.C. is built, was originally Rome, Virginia? <laughs> you can't make this stuff up anymore. So you see, it's is it a city? Is it a global network with tentacles and system of, uh, of bad religion and uh, it's, it's both. It's all of it. All of the above, I tend to believe. And you look at what's happening in this country um, uh, with the reference to slaves there, right? You look at all of the different things that are shipped in and out of this city, right? Marble, iron, bronze, frankincense, oil, fine flour, wheat, cattle, sheep, Bodies, slaves, people. I mean, this, this, the child trafficking and the human trafficking, the most horrific state of slavery in the history of the world is upon us. And the United States of America is an is a epicenter. It's the epicenter of a church. So take that, have some fun with that. Is America, uh, Babylon, Mystery Babylon, Babylon the Great City, all of that, we just need to be in study of this. And in, in any case, I don't believe we'll be here for its destruction because it will be utterly destroyed. Now, some will argue that we really should be literalists here and that maybe we will see the revive, revival of the city of Babylon and see Rome move from Italy to Babylon in Iraq, could that happen? I can't, I can't rule that out, but uh, it's hard to imagine it happening 
quickly and anytime soon if we truly are on the precipice of Jesus coming back. And if we are that close, then this must be idiomatic of something else. And that something else, we sure, we sure find a global uh, system. We sure find a global system and a nation or nations that fit this bill. So let's keep reading though. Let's keep reading. And I think it'll continue to play itself out here. Verse 15, the merchants of these things, which were made rich by her, shall stand afar off. There it is again. They stand back for the fear of her torment, weeping and wailing and saying, alas, alas, that great city that was clothed in fine linen and purple and scarlet and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls. So symbolic, uh, it's, you know, the influence of the woman that rides the beast, the horror of Revelation chapter 17, her, the dress is upon the city. So it's symbolic. The, the influence of the woman is here, okay? The city itself clothes itself as the woman did. Let's keep going. Verse 17. In one hour, so in one hour, so great riches is come to naught, and every shipmaster and all the companies and ships and sailors and as many as trade by sea stood afar off. There it is. Why are they so far back? And they cried when they saw the smoke of her burning, saying, What city is like unto this great city? Again, they're standing back. Smoke if it's ruined. Is this nuclear? I don't know. And they cast dust on their heads, verse 19, and cried, weeping and wailing, saying, Alas, alas, that great city wherein, where, where, wherein were made rich all that had ships in the sea by reason of her costliness. It's hard to imagine this being any other nation but the United States for me uh, at this period in history. For in one hour is she made desolate, in one hour, can you imagine that, church? Only in this period of time of history could in one hour an entire city like that be go up in smoke and be made desolate. You know, we're reading uh, a future prophecy when this is written 2,000 years ago, right? Verse 20, rejoice. The first point in this book that we are instructed to rejoice. This is a big deal, okay? Two whole chapters are dedicated to Babylon getting her comeuppance, getting what she is due, what it is due for its rebellion against God. And this is it. This is it. We're coming to a climax here. Rejoice over her, verse 20. Thou heaven and ye holy apostles and prophets, for God hath avenged you on her, the blood of the saints avenged. Verse 21, And a mighty angel took up a stone, like a great millstone, and cast it into the sea, saying, Thus with violence shall the great city Babylon be thrown down, and shall be found no more at all. Wow. And the voice of harpers and musicians and of pipers and trump trumpeters shall be heard no more at all in thee, and no craftsman of whatsoever craft he be shall be found any more in thee, and the sound of a millstone, and the sound of a millstone shall be heard no more 
at all in the, it's all over at this point. It is all over at this point. Verse 23, and the light, the light of a candle shall shine no more at all in thee. And this is interesting. And the voice of the bridegroom, hmm, and of the bride shall be heard no more at all in thee. That's interesting, isn't it? For thy merchants were the great men of the earth, for thy sorceries were all nations deceived. By thy sorceries were all nations deceived. And under her was found the blood of the prophets and of the saints and of all that were slain upon the earth. Interesting note here, okay? Remember back in uh, Isaiah chapter 47, I told you to uh, remember, put a pin in that word sorceries, okay? Here we see sorceries again, just like we did in Isaiah 47. And, and as we go, uh, as we do throughout uh, uh, the New Testament, honestly, as well, we see sorceries mentioned in Revelation 9, Revelation 21, 22, Galatians chapter 5 even. So I think it's important for us today especially for what's going on in the world, to ask ourselves this question in relation to uh, what we're studying tonight. What does sorcery look like today? Is Merlin going to show up and make an appearance in the end times here? I don't, I don't think so, right? He's not going to make an appearance on the stage. Personally, I don't think it has anything to do with the Harry Potter franchise, okay? The Greek word used here uh, and in every reference is this word. Can we see that? Pharmakia. Pharmakia is the word. Do we have that picture? Can we put that up? We've got it. No? There it is. Pharmakia. It comes directly from the Greek word. So, uh, the word uh, that we see for sorcery directly from the word pharmakia, okay? Uh, today's modern dictionary defines it as such. Pharmakia, the use of drugs, controlled poisons, okay? It also refers to, uh, specifically to pharmaceutical drugs, although it encompasses street drugs as well. In the New Testament, uh, in the day of the New Testament, in the day of the New Testament uh, that it was written in, uh, in ancient Greek, it meant sorcery, it also meant poison, uh, which, this poison, you know, that they called it, was used in witchcraft, as they referred to it, for both healing, to try and heal people. They'd poison people. Uh, but also they used it to enter the spiritual realm. Think uh, modern-day uh, people who uh, try to go into trances, right? Uh, this, you know, new Gnosticism that's out there. People try to put, put themselves into a trance to have some kind of a spiritual experience. They call it astroplaning, this and that. It's very, very scary, very demonic. Uh, uh, I mean, you're making yourself available to uh, demonic entities and whatnot by doing it. So it's, anyway, it's nothing new. It was happening back then as well. So they would, but they would use different drugs to put themselves into a mental state. Think LSD right? Think LSD, going on a trip, that sort of thing, okay? So that's what it was. But by the, by the uh, 1200 to 1600s, pharma 
was used, began to be used to denote medicine, okay? When most folks hear that pharmacia means sorcery and the use of drugs, they immediately think of illegal street drugs, typically. Uh, and they completely miss the closer connection that we have here with pharmaceutical drugs. I mean, church, we've got an epidemic of pharmaceutical drug abuse in this country, in this world. Revelation chapter 18, verse 23 said the whole world would be deceived as well, by the way. Uh, that shows the deception is working pretty well. Now, I'm not, you know, I'm not saying that uh, I don't take a pack when I'm not feeling well, right? I go to the doctor and I, the doctor prescribes me zithromycin or whatnot. I need to take it. I get a steroid. I do that stuff. Don't get me wrong. Don't get, take me wrong here. But, but uh, you know, there is, uh, Satan has got his hands in here. Let's keep in mind, he is the father of lies, and there's a lot of deception that's happening in the world all around us right now. And may, may we be seeing uh, something of this sort with, uh, well, let's just, let me read you this. Take, for example, let's take a look at the Hippocratic Oath that 90%, 98% of all medical students in the U.S. still pledge, they still pledge to this upon coming out of school. Can I read that? Let's read it. Let's take a look at that. This is the Hippocratic Oath. I swear by Apollo. Well, what a weird thing to do. You just went to medical school, right? Didn't you go to school to deliver babies or to do heart surgery or to, I don't know. Why are we swearing anything to Apollo with healthcare? Well, I swear to Apollo, the healer, Asclepius, Hygieia, and panacea. These are all pagan false gods. And I take to witness all the gods and all the goddesses to keep according to my ability and my judgment the following oath and agreement to consider dear to me as my parents, him who taught me this art, to live in common with him and if necessary to share my goods with him, to look upon his children as my own brothers and to teach them this art. That's weird. <laughs> I mean, isn't that weird? I mean, this is, this is the original Hippocratic Oath, okay, that I'm sharing with you. Um, why in the world would this be a, a part of medicine, right? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm not saying doctors are bad guys. I just said I go to the doctor all the time. But I don't believe, my point is, I don't believe that most understand the extent to which Satan has had his hands all over the history of the medical industry. And I think the world may be, the whole world may be deceived to it. I mean, look, look what's happening right now with this vaccine. People are just signing up to be uh, tested on. Hey, I mean, look, I'm not talking bad about anybody. If you decided that what's best for you is to get the shot and to get the vaccine, you got the vaccine, okay. I, 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 it's your choice. It's your body. It's your choice, right? Isn't that what the, left's, the left always says? It's your body, so it should be your choice. Except now when they're talking about vaccine mandates and vaccine passports and whatnot, it's not your choice when it comes to this, right? It's not your body, not your choice when it comes to uh, they think that you should be mandated to take a vaccine. But if it's abortion, it's your body. Your choice. It's, you get to pick and choose when you're uh, 
when you're on the left, apparently. Um, but <laughs> I digress. I don't think that the world understands, uh, at large understands, that Satan has had his hands in the medical field for for a long time. The current the current medical insignia is of uh, Caduceus. 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 Oh, that's probably right. Caduceus. It's in any case, it's the staff of the Greek goddess god of Hermes. You've heard Hermes, right? The Greek god Hermes. Well, this this symbol, I'm going to show it to you. It replaced the old symbol of the cross. It used to be just the symbol of the cross until 1902, and now we've got this. Can I see a picture of that? That looks familiar to you, doesn't it? Well, why? In the, what is? What is? What is that even? Well, Joseph uh, Henderson uh, wrote a book called Ancient Myths and the Modern Man, and uh, uh, or was quoted in Ancient Myths and the Modern Man and Carl Jung's Man and His Symbols. The book was Man and His Symbols. He's quoted in it. Anyway, here's what he said. Can I see this next graphic? He said, here we see his full power of transcendence, whereby the lower trans transcendence from underworld snake consciousness. So snake consciousness from the underworld passing through the medium of earthly reality finally attains transcendence to superhuman or transpersonal reality in its winged flight. That's what we're looking at and has been chosen to be the symbol for medicine today. Here's another one for you, the, the star of life. The star of life, which is displayed on ambulances and medical personnel everywhere. It consists of the star of Asclepius. Es uh, Asclepius, I'm butchering these words tonight. Uh, Asclepius. Ascalopius, anyway, enclosed in a six-point, you're laughing at me, Eva, she's wearing me out, enclosed in a six-pointed star. Uh, this was the mythical, he was the myth, mythical Greek god of medicine, and also, can't make this up, the shape-shifting son of Apollo, who, in our Hippocratic Oath, all our medical students are pledging allegiance to, right? So can I see this next one? You know this one, right? It's on every ambulance, right? I just took this from the EMS uh, uh, website. Here's their symbol, the star of life, right? They even say it right there, the rod of Escapulus. I'm not even going to try to say it anymore. <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm going to get the symbols and start laughing at myself. But you see that, so for early detection, early reporting, early response, on-screen care, care in transit, transfer to de definitive care. Why do we have pagan goddess symbolism over everything, guys? Who are these great men of the earth, for by their sorceries were all nations deceived? It's not me, it's just, I'm just reading the book. It's Revelation. Let me be very clear. I don't believe it's your doctor, okay? I don't believe that your doctor is in on the cabal, okay? Um, but could it be the pharmaceutical companies? Could it be people who are injecting aborted fetal tissue back into other humans? I don't know. I do think that 
the kings of the earth certainly use and will use pharmaceuticals control to control the masses. I think it's being done. I think to a great degree they already do that. And I think that what we're seeing with this push of this vaccine, vaccine I think they're doing it with this. Um, I'm not saying don't go to the doctor if you're sick. Obviously, I do and would if need be. I'm saying, I am saying though, know what you're putting in your body. Do you want to be, I mean, how many of you are signing up to be a part of one of the greatest medical experiments in history and you don't even know it, right? Know what you're putting in your body and don't become, another side of this is know what you're putting in your body and don't become a slave to it. Hmm? Look at this, the Oxycontin epidemic, sleeping pills, everything else. Be aware that pharmacia is a part of this end time Babylonian cabal, pharmacia, sorcery, right? Pharmacia is going to be a part of this whole end time cabal with this spirit of this uh, uh, system of religion, a false religion, uh, false uh, uh, affection, false commitment. This, the, the two tiers of the Babylonian system that it will be a global it will be global, and this is, we're reading it right here. It's going to be a part of it, guys. So know what you're putting in your body and don't become a slave to it because, church, the spirit of Babylon is alive today. Don't you know it? Don't you look around? You see it. I know you see it. And it's hard at work. But guess what? There's good news, as we just read, in one day, in one day, right? Uh, it has a date with destiny. It has a date with destiny. That great day of the Lord will come. And then you know what happens next? When the white horse rider comes. And the white horse rider comes to us in Revelation chapter 19. And that will be next week. So with that, I'll let you have your evening back. And I hope you enjoyed tonight's study. Be blessed, church. With every eye closed and every head bowed, if you're watching this right now, <clears throat> and the Holy Spirit's moving on your heart, I don't know how and in what way, uh, perhaps he's uh, brought some things to light, opened your eyes on some issues, um, I don't know, whatever it is, uh, he's called you to a closer walk with thee, perhaps, or called you to a, a deeper study of your word, whatever it is, one thing that we know is that he loves you. And that this word of God that we're studying here tonight, this is example after example of how far God is willing to go to show you that he loves you and to prevent you from being subject to the wrath that will pour out on the uh, wicked of this world and the truly evil of this world. And there are truly evil in this world. Whatever it is, if you're watching this tonight and the Lord's moving on your heart, and you want to make a decision for Christ? You want to be part of that uh, that uh, harpazo, that rapture that will come? See, I, this stuff that we're reading, for, for after everything after Revelation chapter 4 has to do with Israel, has to do with the time of Jacob's trouble, has to do with this end time seven-year tribulation period, time of God dealing with rebellion. But I don't believe we'll be here for it. I believe that the Lord will come for his bride. 
I believe the Lord will come for his church and there will be a Harpazzo rapture event and those who are called by his name, he'll gather unto himself, bring us to the room that he has prepared for us. Would I have told you if it were not so, Jesus said. So if that's you here tonight and uh, you want to make a decision, just before we close tonight, we always want to give an opportunity for somebody to do that. So with your eyes closed, even right in your living rooms, just say this, say, Jesus, I believe that you're God. I believe that you love me. Lord, come into my heart and make me new. I put my trust and my hope and my faith in you. I put my eternal uh, security. I trust you with my eternity, that the cross was enough, that you paid it all and that you rose from the grave on the third day. And because you live, you'll come for me and I'll live with you forever in paradise. So if you're saying this prayer tonight, just say it with all of your heart, Lord Jesus. Thank you. Walk with me all the days of my life. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. Amen. We love you guys. Hope you're blessed by tonight's study. Uh, chapter 17 or 19 next week. And uh, join us Sunday morning. Uh, it's going to be a special day, Mother's Day, this Sunday. Make sure you call your mom, invite your mom, bring her to church. We'll be at the Rutledge West uh, at the, in the Pegram community, just west of Bellevue, Nashville, Tennessee. One exit from down from Bellevue off McCrory Lane. So uh, join us. Join us out there. We'd love to have you and celebrate our moms uh, and uh, motherhood and everything else. This Sunday, we're going to continue our sermon series in Ephesians, which has been, uh, we just started it last week and it was uh, inspiring. Uh, the Word of God always is. So I'll look forward to seeing you then. We love you guys. In the meantime, tune into the, the podcasts on Spotify and iTunes and all that good stuff. We love you guys. May the Lord bless you. May he keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you. May he pour his favor out on your life. May you go in grace and prosper in all you do. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. We love you guys. Good night.